Yes, we are joined by a very special guest on the show this afternoon. It is a debut on the Coast Football Ramble for Central Coast Mariners investor, director, all-round good bloke, Richard Peel. Rich, how you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the invite. Welcome. Absolute pleasure to have you alongside us this afternoon. We will kick things off, as we always do, with a couple of quick fire questions. Firstly, who is better? Is it Lionel Messi or Matt Simon? Matt Simon. Easy. It's <laughs> the right answer too, by the way. Yeah, nice the and right quick. Answer. Good. And uh, where do you keep your sauce? Your tomato sauce, mustard, etc. Cupboard or fridge? <laughs> I've got no idea. My wife puts it on. That's the first we've had of that. <laughs> we've had a lot of conjecture, but never a... <laughs> yeah, that's embarrassing. No, I've got no idea. <laughs> do you know Don't if it's master foods or not? Yes. Okay, good. Right answer. <laughs> good. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Slightly disappointed that Richard's come uh, after we stopped asking the question about scrunch and fold. Oh, I'll yeah, just leave that there. <laughs> fold. <laughs> fold. Oh. Correct answer as well. Uh, well played. Stop it. <laughs> very good. Very good. Rich, you've obviously been around the club for a few months now um, in and uh, getting your hands, getting your hands very dirty and very involved. How has the first few months of running the club been? Exciting. Uh, um, challenging, um, but uh, overall I've enjoyed the process. Um, I'll be honest with you, a lot more work than I anticipated, so I am putting about 60 to 70 hours a week into the club um, and with four other relatively sizable businesses, that wasn't ever the, in- the intention, but um, it needs it needs my attention right now and um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm committed to making sure that by the time I do step back to 15, 20 hours a week, we've got all the processes in place that we need to uh, allow the amazing corporate team and the football departments to do their jobs uh, respectively. Yeah. What's the Richard Peel football story? Because you're obviously a football fan. You played, which I think is the first sort of box to tick when you know sort of a new owner comes in. I think we've seen instances in the past where maybe people don't really have the passion for it and it's maybe sort of um, flowed through in the results on the field and issues off the field. But so how did you go from that path in life and then to sort of becoming so successful in sort of the fitness industry? So born in Leeds, same as Monty. Um, my youngest, two youngest memories as a child, he's been at the Greyhound track with my, my grandfather in Leeds and been at Ellen Road at a reserve grade game with my father um, and watching the Leeds United great team who'd played the day before walk past with all their kids. So these names are probably be up before your time, but Peter Lorimer, Eddie Gray, uh, Billy Bremner, David Hardley, ha- Harvey, all these sorts of guys walk past. And that's my youngest memory as a kid. So we lived within earshot of Ellen Road. So every second Saturday I could hear the crowd roaring. And that's my youngest memory as a, as a kid. Came to Australia, um, played just normal junior football rep, state rep football and um, was lucky enough to get picked up by the Wollongong Wolves as a 15-year-old and made my first team debut as a 15-year-old in the what's now the Australia Cup. It used to be the NSL Cup. Um, was lucky enough to get spotted from that and get invited over to Huddersfield Town in England. Um, lasted a little bit there, then had a few other clubs over there, Luton Town, um, a couple of other clubs, played with some great players, played against some great players, uh, coached by some great coaches, uh, but reality was, wasn't good enough, came back, played a little bit of NSL um, for knee surgeries by the time I was 25, so Ew. ended up in the gym very early um, just doing rehab and uh, really 
never left the gym. So, yeah, got into the, the gym game and we still played. Um, never really trained much after about 24, 25. So, was a decent player younger, but probably had a pretty average attitude and probably had too much success too early. Thought I was better than I was. So, yeah, certainly was never at the level of guys like Andy Bernal or Luke Wiltshire or Nick Montgomery. You know, there are 1,200 professional games between those guys, um, a total different level of uh, um, excellence compared to myself. But uh, I've always loved the game, been passionate. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, got me into the, the fitness game, which uh, I'm very appreciative for, and obviously that's that's worked out pretty well for me. And you sound passionate about it, which I suppose is the key to being successful at it. Is, is, does that stem from your history with the knee or knees and um you know rehab and all the work that i know you have to do when you get a knee reconstruction that kind of stuff passionate about the gym or the football about fitness and, yeah, and the gym yeah, in general yeah love it love it and i um you know i'll tell you that the thing that hit home with me was having young having kids so they're 19 17 and 14 now but i remember my kids starting kindergarten with a relatively healthy looking group of kids and then when my kids moved from year six to high school going to the the school for the you know, last assembly and realising that um, the kids weren't as healthy as what they were when they first came to that school and it was a big, big shock to me um, and it's probably uh, reignited my passion for trying to make a difference to the health of uh, Australians. So, you know, we have a goal at the Collective Wellness Group to have a million people engage with our brands. We're very quickly closing in on 600,000, um, which we're... I'm one of those, just to put that out there. Thank you. Excellent. Son-in-law is one. Yep. So Any chance know. of a discount? Or? <laughs> oh, mate, Zero. We're the best price gym in Australia already. Can't, can't well played, sir. Yeah, but so, you know, we're, we're just over halfway there. We've got a lot, big job to do, so we're very, very passionate about achieving that million, million member mark, um, which, um, you know, should happen, we hope, within the next five years. So buying football clubs... How does that work? Um, how do you express interest and um, how does that lead to a purchase? Do you just ring the club's number and, and uh, say to the C, can I speak to Sean, I want to buy the club? Or how, how does that work? Well, it sort of happened organically. Um, I certainly, and I've said this many times, I didn't come up here to buy a football club. Uh, I came up here because my, my son was offered a pos- position in the academy. Um, and obviously hanging around the club, got to meet Monty very quickly, both very similar backgrounds. Um, Laurie McKinna uh, introduced me to Sean and we had some discussions about some of the money that I was trying to raise in Canberra to uh, look at a, a bid there. And the, the discussion just seemed to flow into a, a natural area where um, I ended up speaking to Mike direct a number of times and we get along very well, um, very similar business stories um you know he's obviously probably more successful than me um and um yeah i just uh made an offer to him that was was attractive to him to fund the club for three years and if i hit certain kpis then i get the right to to buy half of it so yeah it just uh same as my best business decisions they weren't grand plans um if i told you the story of buying my first gym you wouldn't believe it that um, i literally walked in to sell something to a club owner and walked out having bought the gym and that's a true story and um so um yeah it just seemed to to fall in place and here we are today so 
had I have known how much work was in front of me. <laughs> uh, have you still, got the receipts still? still done it. Yeah, yeah it's, um, look, I, I have to shout out to both the football department, you know, Monty, Serge, Ken, all the people involved with the football department and the corporate team. You know, I'd like to name them all, but they're obviously led by Sean. Um, they've done an amazing job, guys, to keep this club running and, and that's really what I've spent the first five or six months doing is getting their heads out of the whirlwind because um, they've just really been surviving. And and again, I want to shout out to Mike because without Mike Charlesworth, I don't believe the club would be here today. So, you know, I know some people like Mike, some people don't, but I think he's done an amazing job for the coast and keeping the club here. But the, the, the team that have been here for the last three or four years have really done an amazing job to be where we are today. And um, now my job is to give them help them understand that we don't need to live day by day. We need to plan further ahead um, and we need to have, you know, three, five and ten-year plans um, and, you know, have clear strategies, clear KPIs and, and, and tactics to achieve our strategies. So that's really what we're trying to embed into the organisation right now. What was your view of sort of the club when you arrived? Was it Was it sort of once you got your sort of head around everything, were you sort of happy? Were you sort of concerned? Were the financials good or bad? Was it sort of a case of, you know, sort of continuing the good work that's sort of been done recently or did sort of certain things sort of jump out at you and say, right, this sort of needs to change right now? No, it wasn't It wasn't a case of continuing the good work because the guys literally were operating day by day. Um, it was simply about sitting back, looking about what we want the product of the Mariners to be and how do we, how do we achieve getting that product uh, to market so it's, it's we sat you know it's we've had many many meetings whole group meetings with football and corporate departments to strip back the organization and make a really clear path forward on on how we want to look in the next decade and and like i said put the business practices in place that give us a chance of achieving that and i, I think that's probably something that i guess maybe sort of the, us and sort of a lot of other fans have maybe sort of realized that there's there has been that sort of maybe a little sort of that lack of sort of like future planning it's it's very much sort of been let's just basically get until the end of this season and then sort of see where we're at yeah that's sort of been the concern i think of you know sort of amongst a lot of people so it's good to hear that there's actually some sort of like future planning now that's yeah. sort of in place yeah and look you know as as bad as covid was i guess it was a uh, a break in the status quo for us to reset the club so you know the, the community engagement which you know I can't, I can't, words can't state how passionate I am about the players and, and everyone within the club getting back out into the community and, and connecting with the community again. That sort of had to stop because of COVID, but now it's time, you know, for us to, and we already are doing it, um, getting back out and really connecting, trying to connect with uh, the, the core of fans. Um, you know, the other big one is, and I've said this, I'm repeating myself, but, you know, I'm massive on game, game day experience. To me, it, it can't just be a 90-minute game of football. That's the centrepiece, but it's got to be a three-hour-plus event for families to attend and there's entertainment and, uh, you know, activities for kids and, and, and trying to uh, make it more than just that 90 minutes of football. And, again, I'm repeating myself, but I'm a massive fan of US sport and they do it really, really well. So, you know, it'll take us a couple of seasons. We've already got this season mapped out on what we're going to do on what, what days. And you'll see a very, very different experience when you go go to a Mariners game this year. 
again, we're not going to not claiming that we we will get it all right year one. We'll we'll see what works and amplify that, and we'll see what doesn't work and cut it out, and we'll keep refining it until season two, three, and beyond. Is you know hopefully we're getting that ten thousand plus people back because they're really enjoying that three hour event. It's great value for money, and and the centerpiece is that they get to watch a, a great team play a great sport. So what's the current relationship with, between yourself and Mike um, and sort of how involved is he at the moment? What sort of part are you, is he playing in, in the future at the moment? So Mike is uh, – well, I'd consider Mike a friend. Um, he's coming out to – we're catching up you know, in about in a few weeks' time. But um, Mike is not involved in, in the day-to-day operations of the club. Um, he doesn't ask me for um, you know, reports on what's going on or anything like that. He – has full access to the financials of the club. Um, he's welcome any time to, to look at those. But uh, Mike's been very kind in, and I made it, you know, one of the reasons I'm prepared to put my own family's money in there is because I'm, I need the opportunity to run the club as a business. Um, and when I say as a business, um, I'm sure you guys realise that football sh- clubs in Australia don't make money. But we need to get it as close as we can to uh, washing its face at least um, for the longevity of this club on the Central Coast. So that's what we're trying to achieve at the moment and Mike's been, listen, he's been extremely uh, accommodating with, with anything that I've requested from him. So the relationship's very good. Might extend on there and, and uh, when in the future Mike is the owner-runner of the property here um, and you're the owner-runner of the football club, then how do you see that relationship is going to go forward in terms of the club's place here and um, the relationship with Mike in the future, the future of the development, hotels, all that stuff that's out there? Yeah. Um, Look, all that development stuff is not a given at this stage. I, like, so I know there are plans there, but... In a utopia world, I'd love to buy that block of land and actually make it the home of the Mariners Academy, um, have accommodation on there for players. Um, That would be my dream. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why Luke's so passionate about, Luke Wiltshire's so passionate about this project because he sees that we're, you know, the vision is to try and reproduce the AIS-type atmosphere where kids live and breathe football. That aside, of course, you know, that's going to take some decent funds. Um, so we've been planning, you know, we've got a plan B to that, which is, you know, we're extending leases on current grounds that we, we've got and negotiating new training areas that will be shared by the academies and and, um, and the women's team, which we're all excited about, um, and uh, strengthening our relationship with the, uh, with the Central Coast Sporting, sporting School. So, um, yeah, it's, it's quite a complex answer, that, but uh, we're clearly mapping two paths, you know, one that we prefer and one that's the backup um, in case we can't achieve that that primary goal. Again, the future being thought about there across all of that, yep. You did mention earlier um, some of the KPIs that yourself and Mike have, have agreed on. Who sort of set those and can you give us some insight as to what they look like? No. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Because obviously I'm under a non-disclosure agreement mm-hmm. but I can I can tell you it's about the financial performance of the club which comes back to you know the goal of you know we need 96,000 people to attend the games next season the 12 home games that's an average of 8,000 
a game that sets our path forward to um, being able to sell more sponsorship dollars, um, which allows us then to buy better players, which allows us to produce a better performance on the field, which will excite more people to come along, and it's what I call a flywheel. It just goes round and round in circles. and So, um, yeah, that's probably the best answer I can give on what the KPIs are to So these are KPIs, though, that Mike is asking you to deliver. No, I put them forward. Yeah, okay, that's yeah. No, I put the KPIs forward and said, "This is what I believe I can do with the club. Um, If I achieve those, um, I'd want uh, an option to purchase fifty percent of the club and continue operating it." And um, Mike's agreed to that. And so, would that be the other fifty percent of the club? Um, No purchase so far. No. 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 So totally funding. Yep. So everything's coming out of your pocket at this stage. Yep. Um, which, no, candidly, I'm happy to share with people. It'll be seven to eight million dollars over the three-year period. Um, so it's not small change. Um, but that's probably the kind of losses that we've experienced in the last years. Probably a little bit more. Yep. Um, only because, uh, you know, I I want to win games. Yep. <laughs> I want to get into Asia. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. I've had some people. Pull me aside at cafes and say, you know, what do you, what's your, what's your focus? Selling players or winning games? I can categor- categorically tell you, winning games. You know, I, I didn't quite get down on hands and knees, but I did beg Kai Rolls to stay for one more season, um, and he nearly did. But at the end of the day, he just said, no, Rich, I think it's time to come to, to go. Sorry, you know, Mark Birigetti desperately didn't want Beerus to go, and you know how that's all transpired. Maybe he wishes he hadn't gone, but. We've we bought Danny Vukovic in as his replacement. Who's um, oh man, he's looking really, really good. So. What a signing! Yes, thanks. I don't think he's aged. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he's aged since he left. Look like it. I don't you, think he's aged since his debut. Yeah. <laughs> I watched him in the gym today, and he's showing the young boys how it's done. And he's just man, he's just uh, he's a presence. You know, he's there's there's a couple of players in our squad that have come in this year that. They just have presence. The other one is the the Nigerian under twenty three international centre back Kalechi. Man, what a unit! Just has presence both on and off the field. Um, really, really excited once he gets fit. What he brings to the squad. Um, and, and the other one who I'm really excited about is uh, Nectar Triantis. Um, again, another big re- unit. Yeah, so young, but got such quality already. Mm. Listen, we brought him in as a. Sure, I'm allowed to say this. We brought him in as a scholar, and within two weeks, Monty turned around and said, "Mate, he needs to be on a no-league contract. Mm. This kid is too good. Um, we need to keep him at the club, you know." And, and um, if Monty asks, Monty gets. So <laughs> <laughs> he, he uh, you know, try and uh, you know, I've said it many times. Monty is, in my opinion, you know, he's an amazing coach, guys. He really is. The way he prepares those teams with with Sergio, he's he's phenomenal. Um, and I'll continue to do everything we can to to give him what he asked for. We've given him the goalkeeper coach he wanted, the strength and conditioning coach that he wanted, physios, you know. We've given him the technology that they wanted, you know, continue to do that and invest in those areas to help um, those guys have the best opportunity to uh, put the best players on the park each week and win games for us. So I, I guess it's, it's all well and good to have the KPIs, but I guess most of the people are going to be asking, well, how do you achieve them? Is it? It's it's obviously not just going to be a case of here's a bunch of money, go and do whatever. Is it? No. 
we're talking about the KPIs to for me to get the right to buy. Either or. Yeah. Either so. that one or, you know, I, I know you mentioned in the past about the eight, the $800,000 a season, like in the transfers yeah. and sort of having X amount of X Mariners plays in sort of the top top five European yep. leagues around or whatever. Yep. It's, it's not just... Like I said, it's not just here's a whole heap of money, in, but you have to have the right sort of people in place to be making the right sort of decisions, don't you? Yeah. So that's been the first first cab off the rank is to, to get the people into the roles that, um, you know, Monty and Serge wanted first of all, but also, you know, bringing one of our golden generation into the fold um, who's um, extremely passionate um, and uh, has many, many connections both globally and in Australia to bring more um, golden generation people back into into the fold and, and, and helping them direct what we want to do as a club. Um, so, again, it's the flywheel. We have to recruit the best young players. We have to have the best coaches, the best strength and conditioners, the best physios in that youth area within within our means. We can't spend ridiculously in that, that area. We then need to progress those people through the ranks um, and uh, you know, give them first team experience, which is what the club's about. Watch their journey and, and watch them become, you know, hopefully internationals like uh, you know, Kai Rolls and and uh, Faz, those sorts of players. And and then you know, the reality is that at some stage they're going to end up overseas. Um, that is the reality of it. But again, every transfer we've done out at this stage, I've tried to hold on to for a little bit longer. Um, none of them have been my choice. And bear in mind, two guys, is that I've come into existing contract clauses. So uh, there's a lot of situations that will transpire over the next 12 months that I've got no leverage over. Um, they're, they're, the conditions are already in that I have to you know, deal with, which we will. Um, but uh, you know, with Sergio's in particular scouting network globally where... We're um we're looking every day, every day. In fact, we had we've had nine trialists, I think it is, over in here over the last three days, um, from all around the best NPL clubs around Australia and a couple of A League clubs, um, seeing who's out there and, and whether they fit into our program. Probably not supposed to say this, but we we made another signing today. I'm not going to tell you who it is or where they play. <laughs> but, um, exclusive, <laughs> exclusive. But um, yeah, there'll be another announcement coming shortly. So, and again, that's in preparation. Look, I'm a big believer that when you know you're going to lose a player from a certain position, you need to have a plan in place for who's going to step into that position and that player who's coming in. If they're not going to come through our junior ranks, they need to be given time to come into Monty and Serge's setup. Because it takes them a while to hit the ground, and a classic example is Benny last year. You mm. know, mm. first five games, everyone was calling him Uncoalo or something like this. But now, except for two people, I was not. It wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> now, if, if if you ask me, I, I think he was the best player in the league in the last six six games last year. He was class. And there's there's been massive interest that we fought off for him to to leave this club. Trust me. Um, and so if it was all about money, Benny wouldn't be here today. We want to hear that because we love Benny already. Um, did uh, recognise that Benny was a talent from minute one, but uh, <laughs> not everybody did and I think they've all become aware of it now. So oh, Ben Rick Larson. Ben Rick Larson. <laughs> Fair play to him. Let me, let me tell you too, the, the guy is a special human. He yeah, really he's a good is. guy. He's, yep. um, he's one of the, the nicest humans you'll ever meet. So 
we want to, you know, he's, he's sort of you know, in his late 20s now. So, of course, at some stage we're going to have to help him get his his big payday to set himself up. The next jump, yeah. Yep. That's uh, the point of coming here to yeah, get exactly. himself in, yep. in a good shape. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, he's improved out of sight. He really has. Um, so, you know, the reality is that we need to start planning at some stage, that, whether it be at the end of this season or you know, midway through next season, that, you know, Benny will... Probably most likely you get an offer that he can't refuse and, and we'll support it. So yeah. so we know that you are aware of the uh, Mariners Supporters Trust concept. Mm. What do you think about the idea of getting the community to sort of buy into the future of the club and how do you think that can be positive for the club as well? I'm a massive fan. So I've already had a number of meetings um, with the guys that are putting that together. And to me it's... I think the reality of what it cost to buy into a club was a shock to the people that were putting that together, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't work. To me, the benefit of having that is, you know, let's say you have a 1,000 people in that in investing in that club, that money it will most likely be funnelled into junior development. That's the logical place for that to go, for us to improve our facilities and our... Uh, um, remuneration to get the best coaches, etc. in that space, which starts the flywheel moving. But the bigger point for me is then you've got a thousand people who have a small ownership in the club that love the club, that are your voices, there's a thousand voices on the ground. Salespeople. Yep. Mm-hmm. That are you know, just got that little bit added incentive to get their neighbours and their brothers and their sisters and their Mums and dads, people Absolutely. who don't attend the games yeah. but are passionate about the Central Coast yeah. and the community. So, but look, I I haven't got total control over that at this stage because of the agreement with Mike, um, but it is something that I'm trying, I'm working with my legal guys to make it viable for the people investing and viable for that to mature as I buy into the club. So um, I, I'm all for it. That's good to hear. Uh, football's not the only sport that you've invested in in the past, is it? No. Mountain biking. Yeah. What was the deal there? Uh, <laughs> a sport that was struggling at the time yep. that I went into it. Um, Canberra happened to have probably our best junior cyclists in Australia at the time. Um, big mountain biker myself still. You've even done some races, haven't you, like the the Enduros? Or yep. The, yeah. Yep. So I've, um, I've managed to medal at nationals in almost every discipline. Jesus. So, um, and you're still doing it? There we go. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I broke my back about five or six years ago pretty badly mountain biking in a race. So I've backed off the last few years because I, yeah, I just can't quite go the speed that I used to go. But, um, yeah, still do the odd race. Um, yeah, love it. And um, the idea was just to try and get back to the sport. And, and you know, our highest-ranked female rider, Beck Henderson, uh, Beck McConnell, sorry, is um, um, was one of the the athletes that I that was a school kid when I helped her with her strength and conditioning a bit and gave them fun to do some travelling the planet and now she's the number one ranked cyclist on the mountain biker on the planet at the moment so had some success in that area and it's a, it is a really good sport more people need to get out on their mountain bikes it's fun there's there's the sales pitch yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So where are we at with things like the salary cap um, in relation to last season with the salary cap spend? It's been a hot topic over the years that we've only spent the floor. Yeah. Um, how close are we to spending the full cap? Um, I've had it 400000 into the into the budget. So 
um, still a little bit below, um, but it's it's getting up there. I don't know if you guys are fully aware of the salary cap in the A-League, but it's the salary cap you have when you don't have a salary cap. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so there, there are all these... It's essentially non-existent. And, yeah. Yeah, there's all these <clears throat> categories that... Loyalty payments and yeah, all sorts so, of shit. Yeah. You know, it's the pure salary cap where... We're close to the top, but we don't have we don't spend on the marquees and that sort of thing at, at this stage. Um, but look, a lot of that that so people know is was about upgrading some of our better players. It wasn't just about spending on new players. So people like Hall, Farrell, Niz, Nisbet, Steely, Steely, Maxi. Yep, Maxi's a huge one. Yep, yeah. all those guys, Garang, all those guys mm. got massive you know, business propositions as well. All of them yeah. Yeah. potential there that. Yeah, absolutely. And most of those guys, we you know, we we hadn't done three year deals at the club for quite a while, and, mm. and most of those guys are now on three year deals. Does that mean they'll stay for the three years? No, it doesn't necessarily mean. It means that. But that's why you do it, though, so that way you exactly. get a bigger transfer fee. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We have some leverage. Isn't it? Yep. Yeah, the leverage is the key. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no, uh, getting closer. Um, uh, yeah. The only player on the planet that I'd probably sell some fam- family assets is probably James Milner, <laughs> my favourite player on the planet. You better hurry up. Ex-Leeds <laughs> boy. Hey, have you seen footage of him? Of him? Mate, he's still a, a This machine. morning. <laughs> he's Liverpool through and through, so you don't have to, you don't have to, yeah. yeah no, he's a machine, yeah. mate. He'll be, he'll be running around in his 50s. <laughs> he's nearly there now. Yeah. <laughs> There's still time. You mentioned it then. What, what, what's, what's your sort of top line view on sort of marquees because there's obviously a lot of sort of different opinions in the league that you know we should have sort of marquees to get sort of bums on seats but we've also seen in the past where that sort of hasn't worked or they you know it sort of hasn't worked on the pitch or off the pitch are you of the view that if we were to get let's say James Milner in that we would automatically get more bums on seats therefore you get the return no good okay we'd only get the only uh, yeah, James Milner would be a <laughs> for me. Oh yeah, <laughs> no yeah of course. Yeah, it'd be a selfish play. <laughs> that's that's right. a very selfish yeah. play. But okay <laughs> I, I tell you, my my theory, and I have a very clear theory on this, is that Australians aren't really on mass you can say it. You can aren't, say it. aren't globally savvy on football. So you bring in, you know, some of these players that us guys sitting around here would salivate over and the general population really don't and that's been shown before mm. you know, where people come in who we go wow and other people go who's he mm. yeah i think that you know places like um you know the central coast the more i think they're more attractive attracted to watching local products that make make the grade as mm-hmm. opposed to spending massive money on on um you know uh, marquee players uh, and the reality is we just can't afford it. So yeah. maybe that you know, tarnishes my, my opinion on it, but I would rather keep as many local players that are capable of adding to our squad, not just, you know, not just a local player for the sake of a local player, but a local player who adds and he's going to get used and he's wanted by you know, the, the first-team coaches. Um, uh, you know, I'm all for keeping those around. I think it's that and a bit of quality on the pitch. If you bring players like Benny and uh, Jason here and they do things like score those cracking far top corner goals mm. from outside the box, then you've got a sales product right there. So 
Yeah, no, we, you, you might argue that we've tried marquees before. I realise that some of them have shackered histories, possibly not even in football, yeah. but um, you wouldn't say they've been successful or at least there's no evidence they've been successful, whereas I, I feel like people have started to engage with the fact that we're actually a competitive team. We've got a couple of players in our team who've got that sort of spark and entertainment value to them. Um, so, yeah, definitely on the camp of oh. players not... Lewis Garcia, just to throw the name out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I loved him as well for the obvious reason yeah. but, and, and, and meeting him and all that. A clear that, example for me of what didn't work off the pitch or on the pitch but then you also look at someone like a Del Piero was a bit of a sugar hit off the pitch but then didn't work on the pitch because mm. they didn't even make the finals when he was there. Correct. Yeah. So I love the mix of let's get these guys in that are sort of like a mid-20s, like a Benny, where we've got that scouting network and it works and then you also try and do the now we've got XYZ locals in the team. It's a perfect mix for a smaller sort of a community like this, in my view. Imagine if this player that I just announced that uh, we've signed today turns out to be another Benny. How exciting will that be? I would love that. <laughs> Me too. But is he a winger or is he a fullback or is he a centre-back? When will we find out? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you don't know, nobody knows. <laughs> We're waiting for the visa. Okay. Oof, there we go. You're, yeah. Oof, you're announcing that in about three years then. <laughs> 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 Government works quickly. Yeah. <laughs> We've got all that process under control, fortunately, so hopefully we'll be able to announce that in the next 10 to 14 days. Oof, happy days. Yeah. And is that is that the last of the main sort of signings or do you think? It, it, it's our last visa spot that yeah. we filled. Um, we're always on the lookout and we'll continue to trial um, Australian talent. Yeah. We also have, um, you know, I won't mention who the agent is, but he's probably the most, the, the best known agent and, and a super cool guy uh, in Australia. He's probably the best known agent who has a Australian scouting network in Europe and he keeps us abreast of what Australian eligible players are floating around Europe and, and maybe maybe uh, eligible to come over. So we, we'll continue to look. And if we can strengthen with inside, within our means, we will. Very awesome. good. Just finally, um, can you give us your views on the on the current stadium deal and, and sort of how pivotal do you see that to the success of the club in the future? Do you also think it's realistic that long term we might be able to get the management rights for the stadium? Um, the deal is at the final throes of the negotiation and venues live have been amazing to work with. It's a good deal for the club, but let's remember Venues Live need the club as well. We're the anchor tenant. So it's a it's a relationship where we need them and they need us. Mutually beneficial. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So and they've been the things that we've requested, like extra training sessions on the pitch, you know, they've 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 been over backwards to, to make everything happen. So very happy with the relationship. Do I think that we should operate the stadium? Not today. Yeah, I mean, I don't operate stadiums. Mm. It's one that definitely divides opinion as well, yeah. sort of locally with a, you know, with this, with that, that sort of an asset, should it be run by essentially a private company? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, look, let's see how this relationship goes with these guys. I mean, what, what, not the stadium, what I am super, super passionate about is getting us a home base, you know, a, a premises where we, we can all go and watch away games together and mm. meet before the game. Um, that's probably a priority. Um, and I mean, that, that's, that I guess was the long-term vision of here, wasn't it? Of the Centre of Excellence, which it's, that could be another bloody 50 years with the way it's going. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's, and to me, it's this, 
it's too far away from the It's stadium. a bit of a pipe dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that, yeah, we've got some plans. We're, we're talking daily with a couple of different groups on how we can try and fast-track this for next season. Um, and, and we're still hopeful that that will happen. So stay tuned to that space as well. It's a pretty important one for us. So part, you know, it's all part of making the Central Coast understand that the club's theirs. It's not... It's not the corporate staff, it's not the football staff, it's not the players, it is the, it is the Central Coast Club. Um, you know, what I mean by that is that a lot of people still be living in he here in 30 years, so the, the supporters are the number one um, priority in that, that space to get them something that gives them that belonging. So. Do you think it's working so far? I know you've been out talking to fans and fan groups and, and trying to navigate that path to achieving that uh, crowd figure and so forth. Are you, are you happy with progress? I am happy with the response from the fans. Yeah. Um, I would say I'm very happy with the corporate team, how they're adapting to my requests and, and, and some of the change of how we're going to operate moving forward. I would be openly honest with you and tell you that um, I th I'd give myself probably a 6 out of 10. I've, I Harsh. Haven't, I haven't quite... You know, just because of the magnitude of the job that I've come into, that I didn't, you know, I didn't realise I'd be spending as much time on a daily basis in the whirlwind. I thought I'd be spending more time on the planning. So, you know, unfortunately, in any business, the whirlwind tends to take over. You know, you've got to get certain stuff done, and and it's been a busy season, you know, with sales and, and purchases, which you know, I've been involved heavily with. Um, so I'm a little bit behind where I'd want to be in, in what I've implemented so far, but um, you know, I've, I'm putting a few extra resources. There's extra numbers coming into the support office to fill, to take some of the whirlwind away so Sean can, and myself can have a bit more time to work with the senior guys and, and get the, the things in place that we need to. So response from fans, great. Um, yeah, team's going great. Um, I probably need to uh, pick my game up a little bit, guys. But that'll happen. <laughs> Looking forward to the football starting then, I guess? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, I'm a football tragic. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I'm probably the loudest one at the stadium when we score a goal. I embarrass my kids well, all the I time. Well, I might just have you beat there. I, yeah, I, haven't, I haven't noticed it. <laughs> I don't think so. It's, um, yeah, so, I, look, I, I, love, I love the football. Yeah. I love the football. That's, at the end of the day, that's why, you know, that's why I'm prepared to spend my family money on trying to make this a uh, a bit of a legacy for and make sure it stays on the coast for the foreseeable future. Is because I love football. That's beautiful. Good any uh, any <laughs> any final thoughts from yourself before we let you go for the evening? No, I just uh, appreciate the job you guys do, but uh, more importantly, uh, yeah, appreciate the the comments and the efforts of the fans that that have you know stop me and say thank you and well done and keep going and and then the odd person who stops me and tells me uh, you know what how am it I doing? Should be. Yeah, 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 how it should be. <laughs> um, it's interesting. That I'm wasn't me, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm happy I'm happy for all opinions. Um, uh, at the end of the day though, um, you know, judges on what happens on on the field and, and what happens in the stands and uh, let's let's be positive about the coming season and, and, um, and see where we land. You always need a bit of luck, guys. You guys know that. You've been around football long enough, you know. 
all the preparation in the world, you do need that little bit of luck. Um, with a little bit of luck, I do know that we'll be very, very competitive this year. So, And we'll play a very exciting brand of football. Um, you know, it's great to have players like Sammy Silvera back at the club. Um, you know, bringing in players like Michael Ruse, who's an absolute machine, speed machine. Um, like I said, Kalechi. Yeah, these guys are you know, fast, aggressive footballers. So it'll be, a, it'll be, a, you know, we'll score a lot of goals. I think. Can't wait to get going once again, Rich Peel. Thank you so much for taking this time to join us on the Ramble. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All the best. Sounds professional, but don't worry, it's not.